Hello, this is Sean Kennedy. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of the American Journal of Nursing, and I'm really very pleased to be um, not on the phone, but actually on site with uh, the two presidents or president and president-to-be of the American Association of Critical Care Nurses, and we're here in Boston at the annual National Teaching Institute, and this one is uh, sold out with uh, 9,000, so I guess this is a new record for um, AACN. So I'm here, um, Chris Schulman is the current president, will be president until the end of June, and uh, I'm here with her and Lisa Riggs who is the incoming president and uh, right now the president-elect. So welcome to both of you. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks very much. So, um, so Chris, let me start with you. Um, you've been president now and um, your theme has been guided by why. Mm -hmm. um, so what are you taking away from this experience? Well, you know, there's just so many things to choose from. And since you started the question with the guided by why, I'll just say that um, uh, one of the things that has become really clear to me is that in our current healthcare environment where things are so difficult for everybody, and so fast-paced, uh, that people really have an incredible need to reconnect with their why. And so the theme has served a really good purpose in that way. Um, that it's helping people remember why they became a nurse or in the moment why they're doing what they're doing or looking ahead why they might do what they're thinking about doing, either clinically or professionally or whatever. So um, it reinforced for me that AACN is there to kind of serve our nurses to help them stay connected with their wives however they want. And, you know, that then links to what is the status of critical care nursing today. Um, you know, we've made lots of progress in certain things along the way. Technology is often our friend, but occasionally not so much. Um, we have, you know, a tremendous influx of new nurses, but um, they have career options in mind, so they move through very quickly. Um, and we have issues around our healthcare environment still. Mm -hmm. You know, we've we've budged on some of our standards in the right directions. Others have stayed pretty static. Um, and we, we just completed a survey of our, our environment. And this is the fourth survey you've done on this, correct? That's correct. And um, overall, work environments are healthier, but where there are challenges, there they remain challenges. Staffing, moral distress still is a challenge. Maybe in numbers, I think they're less, but the incidents are, I think, taking mm. their toll more because I think people are more fatigued. Certainly that's been some mm. of what I've observed in my own environment. Um, but, you know, uh, a lot, more than 50% of our participants in this survey, they talk about leaving their position in the next three years. Um, and not very many of that is from retirement. That's what I was going to question. And so I think that kind of factors into, you know, what is the status of critical care nursing today? We're good. We're solid in that people need us. We're always going to have critically ill people. But the work pace and then the workforce transitions of retirement looming and people moving through quickly because they're on a professional journey kind of leaves us in mm, not as strong a spot as I think we'd like to be because mm -hmm. this wisdom 
um, is is moving on. The wisdom at work. The wisdom of work is moving on, and how to re reinforce that um, with work that is meaningful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, um, is AACN? Uh, I know a big focus coming up, and you'll you'll be dealing with that. At least I guess is the staffing issues. But um, what about those those nurses who were retiring or leaving, but somehow want to stay connected? Is there are there uh, any initiatives going on around that aspect of it? We we as an organization don't have anything set in stone. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, as part of our staffing initiative and our call for success stories, I would expect to hear um, either people's ideas that they have for what they could do or what other places are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've heard lots of, well, even just today in our meeting, I had someone come up to me and say, I'm perfectly willing to come in and work for you know, four hours at a time and help fluff and buff and turn patients and do stuff so that the so that the kids can do the <laughs> get their work done, mm-hmm. you know, and and do a little teaching and stuff like that. So, you know, bringing people in for shorter hours or having them involved in our teaching programs or other mentoring mm-hmm. programs and stuff like that. I think uh, we need to be really creative and open to any ideas that people might have. Um, so solving the staffing is not necessarily how many how do we get more nurses but what do we need to have the right care for the patients and it's not necessarily just add more nurses to the to correct. the correct correct because you know numbers um, don't always address the needs of the situation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, you know, you can have a nurse for four patients, but if one of those patients gets really sick, then it doesn't work so well. And you can have a nurse for four patients, but if one day that nurse is experienced and the next day that nurse is not experienced, mm-hmm. then that changes things. So uh, we need to look at, uh, how do they say it, working, working smarter, not bigger right. necessarily, <laughs> right. and working really wisely with the resources that we have. I often equate it to um, some of the things I've read about World War II, and uh, you, it was hard to bake because there wasn't much flour and there wasn't uh, much sugar. It was going overseas to uh, feed the boys, you know. Mm-hmm. But yet people learned how to bake, and they baked very well. <laughs> and I, I kind of think of this as like that. The resources are really tight right now. It's not that we're without resource, um, or maybe we have them and they're going to be taken away. And mm-hmm. so, so how can we still be really smart and sometimes even come up with as good or better a product, even though we don't have the the same numbers right, that we right. had before? Yeah, the, it, what you just said about uh, being inventive, um, I know the, at, uh, out of Hopkins they had the Capable Project where they found that the team, the home care team that made the most difference for the elderly in maintaining the home was a nurse, an occupational therapist, and a handyman. And that was the team that they put together now uh-huh. to go out and assess uh-huh. patients. So it was like, we it's not that we need three more home health nurses, but a different type of it's a, a different a composition. Yeah, just thinking people. from a different mm-hmm. way. So it's interesting. Yeah. I liked this morning that hospital from uh, San Diego that talked about the paired team. I, I think that's going to be 
in our future and by that I mean the exciting part about it was the staff nurses determined this is what we needed to do to take Mm -hmm. better care and I think AACN is positioned to co-create that and bring in our community of nurses to help define how are we going to manage this staffing issue. Um, it's it's big, it's complicated, and I think San Diego did a great job mm-hmm. demonstrating how if you use the wisdom of the nurse at the bedside and allow them to determine how we can solve this problem, they can come up with mm-hmm. a really great idea, and their outcomes were tremendous. It's it's interesting because, you know, we talk about on online, people are all into crowdsourcing solutions, mm-hmm. and basically it's what uh, this morning's session for the, those who are listening to this podcast was um, a presentation of what the survey showed and then two groups who have been inventive in solving some of their issues. And uh, it, it kind of reminds me, and now what you're just talking about, is kind of crowdsourcing within the organization. Right. Yeah. right. So I think our members are our greatest source of innovation and inspiration, and they know what works and what doesn't mm-hmm. work. And you know, I heard the San Diego crew talk about this when we did our CSI report out a year ago or so. And I was just completely fascinated by it because if you're kind of an older dog like me, you're like, whoa, that sounds a lot like like team nursing, it does. actually. <laughs> and as we were talking today, I said, you know, this is an old, that particular story mm-hmm. was an old strategy that has been modernized and in their particular setting it has worked so that's a concept that works yeah Mm -hmm. we're thinking outside of the box and new things but there are old things that sometimes can still work we just need to update them right um and so i'm really excited when we have this call for success stories i'm really excited to see what people send yeah and and it'll be enough so that it's not just a a large medical center but some of the community hospitals who've been resource poor forever Mm -hmm. um have dealt with these these right how's it going to work so i you know we could sit around at a table and never come up Mm -hmm. with the things that are going to come our way and then these will be the things that uh, inform us uh to come up with strategies and recommendations and proposals etc and so uh it will help form critical care of the future so Mm -hmm. the the in terms of your original question what is it about critical care today that we're working on that will help us influence what's coming about Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, i think people are alternatively very inspired and very frustrated by what's going on right now but I think we can help them all say that uh, looking ahead we can be smart mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah now Lisa whatever this is going to be coming up more and more in your presidency all the uh, uh, I'm not sure what the timeline is for all this I would imagine it probably would go even beyond yours in terms of continuing the work um, but what do you envision, and, and Chris, you can um, jump in as well. Okay, a policy comes out. Here's what the American Association of Critical Care Nurses feels what staffing should be and how, you know, the, and I'm sure it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all. It'll be flexible, et cetera. But if, with, with the flexible, whether it's standards or policy, whatever, um, how do you see that moving forward? So there's actually two 
um, we've got a two-pronged approach, if you will, um, to what we'd like to do related to the staffing initiative. Um, one is we want some innovative ideas, something right now we can share, we can co-create with our community, if you will, um, we can put ideas out there. The second is longer, and you're right, it will go beyond my presidency, and it will go to presidents that come after me, um, but we really feel like we can't do this alone. We need to work together with our colleagues at the Institute of Healthcare Improvement and the National Patient Safety Foundation. And we've looked at collaborating outside of nursing to um, work on how do we all speak the same language about staffing? How do we make this an investment versus a um, staffing bottom line Line, line item, item. Right. line item right. on the budget. Um, yeah. We anticipate, you know, that's a that's a collaboration, and collaboration doesn't happen just overnight. Mm -hmm. It's a relationship building. It's taking time. It's working together. So we anticipate this taking several years, but I, I anticipate in the next year that we will begin to form those relationships so that we can build our work with people outside of nursing. Um, to understand the issues we have, to understand the relationship of staffing to quality of patient care, um, and, and to speak the, the same same language um, to move forward. Mm -hmm. So that's what we anticipate. So um, it, it is gonna be multi-year, Sean. Mm -hmm. One of the questions that I, that uh, it sticks in my mind from an editorial that um, Joanne Dish, who is the f uh, mm -hmm. former president of, of AACN and also uh, uh, former president of the American Academy of Nursing, and she did an editorial as the president of the academy, which I thought was a fabulous editorial, and it was called, Do We Only Pay Attention to the Evidence We Like? And in it, she talked about 12-hour shifts mm -hmm. and how um, the research is coming out in terms of the fatigue factor and uh, errors that you know are made uh, more frequently at the end of the shift, and then we know 12 hours in reality isn't always 12 hours. It might be 13 hours or 14, or and then there's the drive home, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, how do you? I mean, most nurses love the 12-hour shift mm -hmm. and don't want to let go of it. How do you equate that with a kind of the safety aspect and? Well, I, we haven't talked a lot about um, the length of the shift. Um, to be honest about about the things we've discussed, the things we have discussed have been um, wanting to promote and be supportive of nurses continuing their education, but what's the impact to that at care at the bedside? If you go on to be a nurse practitioner, then what's that mean? Um, we've talked about retirement being an impact. We've talked about um, the electronic medical record changing our ancillary and support staff we have. So because mm -hmm. there's now CPOE, people are cutting back on their unit secretarial support, and now what's that mean for the nurse? But I think just because we haven't discussed it doesn't mean we, we shouldn't be open to what does this mean and what are all the possibilities? Because I would agree with Joanne Dish, we need to look at all the evidence and we need to be open to the possibilities of what is this gonna look like. I think in, in the future, the care delivery model is going to change. I don't think we can um, take our current model and continue to try to wrench it into 
the new environment of healthcare. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to have to step back and evaluate it. So I, I think we have to be open to all the things the evidence shows us is the best way to provide care to the patient and make sure they have a quality experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you want to add anything to that? Or? I, I, I think that um, the 12-hour shifts uh, can definitely be a recruiting tool for the young and able-bodied who, who are able to do that and their work-life situation requires that they do that. I think that we may want to to do some experimenting to see if some different configurations can mm -hmm. also work and perhaps serve multiple goals and what that might be I don't know but mm -hmm. six hour shifts you know more frequently um, for the you know pre-retirement people so they can do work and just not have it be as hard on their bodies um, I you know uh, being on two years of night shift is great for some people other people need a bit more of a break and they mm -hmm. do need to do not a within a week rotation but a two month on one month off mm -hmm. kind of rotation um just different ways to keep people's energy up and um work within Mm -hmm. yeah, I think we need to be less formulaic and a little yeah, bit more yeah. creative. So the napping we, issue on having a napping place, that's a yeah, thing yeah, that yeah. some places mm -hmm. are experimenting with. Yeah, yeah. 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 So this, yeah. Yeah. You know, too, too many variables is probably going to, would end up looking like trying to run a circus. But if we can find the variables that work mm -hmm. in different places, I think uh, now would be the time to be thinking about it because if you whatever model you come up with staffing and shifts and the hours work and stuff like that if it ultimately saves money on a day-to-day -day basis or it ultimately saves you money in sick injury error recovery and um, recruitment and retention time mm -hmm. you know uh, we we need to look at all variables when we're trying to make determinations mm -hmm. about numbers not just you know, mm -hmm. the daily productivity experience. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, we've talked and <laughs> we've focused on staffing because I yeah. asked the question, I kept asking that question because that, uh, in my travels, that's what, and, and your survey, your survey and other surveys that people have done bear out that that's the one thing that nurses are, complain about all the time. I, I mean, I complained about it when I was... <laughs> right, it's been <laughs> a long-time long problem. It's been a long-time problem, yeah, and, and it's, it's nice to see AACN is... is looking to tackle this from a, a multi-pronged um, uh, uh, initiative. Um, so we're, we're kind of at the end of the, the time that, that works for the, uh, for the podcast and for our listeners. Uh, so I want to ask, um, uh, you're going back what what do you go your job has been mm -hmm. mostly on i guess they they're kind and don't <laughs> demand so much of you during your presidential year their support uh, yeah. tend to be very supportive right um so you're going back to what now what's your position so my position is a critical care clinical nurse specialist and i focus on the trauma and the burn center of um uh, legacy health which mm -hmm. is a, a a local system in the portland oregon area and yes, yeah, so I'm going back to my job. Now, I think in the last two years that I've been in this role and kind of my third year on the board, there have been some micro shifts and mm -hmm. the needs of that job. So, you know, the first thing I'm going to do is go back and uh, kind of pay back my boss mm -hmm. for having been so generous with mm -hmm. my comings and goings and 
kind of help the staff nurses get caught up on some of the things that you know they've been limping along with or actually doing a really great job without me but maybe we can do more right you know right um so to kind of do that and just kind of breathe just sleep the tiniest take, sleep little, little bit, bit. <laughs> get reacquainted with my husband and my family and apparently chores around the household that i'm told i've forgotten about and um you know just spend some time kind of re- recharging and rebooting and then kind of look ahead you know mm-hmm. i i have always loved physiology <laughs> i love to teach and i like to help people grow so you know my goal would be to make sure that my job configures in that way i'll uh, you know aecn has me forever mm-hmm. um however they may need me for small and large projects and you know um so, I, you know, that will be the other source of, mm-hmm. you know, enjoyment for me professionally. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky I'm at a point in my career when, you know, somebody would come up to me and say, well, what's your five-year goal? You know. <laughs> Let's just do two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My five-year goal is to have my replacements well-trained and excited about that because I've had a wonderful career. You yeah. know, I've done everything that I've needed to, and there's no way to top the last mm-hmm. couple of years, years, really. Yeah. And yeah. so my goal would be to try and make other people as excited about what they're doing and give them the tools to pursue that as I can. Mm. And actually, that's been a long-standing goal. So to actually kind of just get back to doing that and not trying to be three different people, people. at one time, <laughs> I think that would be good. I think that would be very good. <laughs> I have a dog that, uh, when did I get him when we were in our third year yeah, yeah. Um, a chocolate lab he's big oh, and goofy and yeah. um i just kind of like to spend some time with him it distresses my husband to no end that the dog comes first in this list but um i gotta tell you the dog doesn't make me do chores he just asks me to go play so yeah, it's kind of an easy call so yeah well that sounds great and so you and you're gearing up lisa i am i'm gearing up for a uh, hopefully an excellent year. I'm expecting it to be just a continuation of Chris's year with Guided by Why spoke to so many of the nurses that we met with and we talked with that I'm hopeful that I can just continue that enthusiasm and that that energy that she started. Uh, uh, am I here. hearing a theme starting to come through <laughs> yeah, here? Yeah, so my theme for the upcoming year is Our Voice, Our Strength. Excellent. And I, I think it really builds on Chris's why. Um, Simon Sinek has the golden circle where why is in the middle and the how is the next ring out and the what is the ring outside of that. And for me, Chris's why is, is people have been searching their why. That's the center circle. The next step for me is how are we going to do it? We're going to do it with our strength and we're going to do it with our voice. Um, And I think you can do it one-on-one with your patients. You can have your voice, and you can be strong, and you can advocate for them. But I think as a collective, we can also use our voice as a collective voice. That's a great thing. And be strong. So I think we're just moving um, Chris's Chris's why and coming from passion and 
the deep reason you became a nurse to now how can we do that? And I think it's with our voice and with our strength. Well, given um, the results of the recent Woodhull study, I think the voice is going to be very important. So uh, I think it's a great theme nowadays. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So, so I look forward to hopefully next year interviewing you as you reflect on your, your year. <laughs> yeah, so, I look forward to it. <laughs> so thank you both very much for taking the time. Thank I know you you're very, very busy. Thank, thank you. you.